0: Listening to the Bill Sunday School podcast. One of them a long time ago, and just kind of asking them about this idea of living together, having everything in common. Why do you do that? And he said, "Well, it's a part of salvation to them. It's not just a nice thing to do or a fun thing to do and to live in." you know, sell everything and live in this commune. But to them, it means salvation. There's no salvation outside of living in this commune. And I just kind of, I was like, but you believe in the Bible. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, we get that from this passage that that, that the early church had everything in common. And I, But I kind of questioned him and I asked him about, you know, well, that that's not the only model of church in the New Testament. That's just the, this, you know, the first church. And he was like, well, it's, you know, all churches after that church were corrupted. And I was like, well, even that church was corrupted, you know, and the next page in my Bible, in that chapter, we just read about, you know, the perfect church, which wasn't perfect. The next page has persecution of Christians. The next page has the example of Ananias and Sapphira, that, that, that couple that came to Paul and Peter and donated money and that there was There was sin in that, and they were struck down dead right there I and mean, You could read the story for yourself it, it wasn 't a perfect example of church, so getting back to that story, that conversation of uh, that I was having with this nice man at the, at the mate Factor, drinking my mate green tea in this weird little coffee shop store it 's pretty cool though um, he he talked about how how you have to live in their commune in order for salvation to happen because that 's the way the early church did it and I, I kind of made disagreements about that then I, I kind of kind of kind of questioned him about that and and Asked him more and I said, okay, what if someone decided to live in the commune with you guys and, and they went home, you know, to their home and the place, their, their apartment they rented and sa- said to their roommate, I'm never coming back, sell all my stuff, give it to the poor, uh, you know, rent, rent, rent my room out. And then they were on their way back to the commune and they got into a car accident and let's just say tragically they died. What would happen to them? And the, the Mate Factor dude said, well, they, they would not have salvation because they had not yet lived in the commune, I was just like dude that is that's that's out there because we 're not saved by living in in a community like this." This example in the early church, and so today, what I want to talk about is really the church. And I, I may break some of your ideas or ideologies. I would, I would say misconceptions about, you know, if you refer to it as the golden age of the church. If there's anything in your mind that's like, man, if we could only do it like they did it in the early church, this first church, then we would have it all together. Then, then it would just be perfect. And so, anything we can do to get back to that original thing is a really good thing. And so, I I want to kind of break and mess with that a little bit as we talk about the new testament specifically we're talking about acts through the book of revelation and so last time we were here it was two weeks ago uh, we talked about the gospels the four books about jesus these books the the next 23 because there's 27 books are about the church acts and these letters so you ready to dive into that today all right uh before we dive in uh just a few announcements if you are new um We we'd love you to to be a part of sunday school and keep coming There's visitor cards on the tables. I think so you might have to come up to one of the tables Grab a visitor card fill it out Uh, give it to some of the cool peeps in the back and they will give you a cd just for coming Oh, he's waving. What's up, dude. It's joel my friend joel. He's gonna give you that cd (laughs) And if you're new and and, uh, he'll give you a cd We just want to say thanks for coming. I would love to meet you by the way if you if you want to come up afterwards I'd I'd love to meet you um Let's see. Next month is the topic of Jesus. In Sunday school, we take things by topics. And so next month is the topic of Jesus, all through February. And so don't, you don't want to miss a February. That starts next week. And uh, just something else to announce. A lot of you know my heart. Uh, when it comes to other religions and just like i, I told you the story of the, the mate factor and the 12 tribes i have a lot of uh, respect for other religions and i, I want to share truth um when there's truth needed and uh, i have a heart for 12 tribes i ha- a lot of you know i have a, a big heart for mormons and i have a lot of friends that are mormons and i'm teaching a class tomorrow night monday night as a part of a mill small group on mormonism it meets here tomorrow night in uh, 107, 7 p.m. If you're interested in hearing more about Mormonism, it's a class that goes the whole semester. But I get to teach tomorrow and share my heart a little bit about Mormons. So, uh, those are your announcements. There's some, there's some good ones, huh? Uh, let's talk about New Testament facts. If you're uh, looking at your notes, I have places and uh, spots for you to uh, write down some notes. These things are kind of cool and interesting. We we are talking today about the uh, 22 letters. Um, Romans being the first letter, Revelation being the last. It is a letter, the book of Revelation. And uh, those are 22 letters and the one book of Acts today, which make up the 23 books of the New Testament that I believe are about the church. And all kinds of authors uh, wrote uh, these many books. We think that Luke, the same author that wrote the book of Luke. uh, Yeah, I was going to say Luke wrote, that's bad phrasing luke wrote acts and uh, he also wrote the book of there it is man having a good time up here this morning uh ate a bunch of apples maybe that messed with me uh also peter one of the disciples of jesus wrote a book of peter (laughs) <laughs> this isn't working. I'll stop. Uh, there was a guy named John, the beloved. Uh, he wrote a bunch of books first, second, third John. He also we think wrote the book of revelation. There was a book, uh, called James written by James, the very brother of Jesus. And then we have the biggest writer of the new Testament, um, of course is Paul and Paul wrote 14 of the 27 new Testament books. So if you've ever heard someone say, uh, Paul wrote half, of the whole New Testament, you could say, actually, he wrote a little bit more than half because 14 divided by the 27 is 13.5. And he wrote 14. So you could actually say, actually, he wrote a little bit more than half of the New Testament by number of books. And um, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is the, the book of Acts, the story of Paul. And here's what here's what we're about to do. And, and, and this is a very AP study. This is almost like AP Sunday school today. Are you okay with that? you know what ap need? ap means advanced placement and so some of this um some of this if, you, if you're if maybe if you haven't read the book of acts or you're, you're new to church or whatever a lot of this is just going to be like lots of information being vomited on you um but there's others of the other you that maybe you just read the book of acts maybe you've studied in bible college uh, and, and so you're like oh bring it on this is all just kind of review and so let me give you the point of why i'm doing this before i vomit knowledge on you not literally course. Um, the point is for you to see what we're going to talk about is the missionary journeys of Paul. And so in your notes, it says the missionary journeys of Paul. Paul there's a very small spot for you to take notes. If you start taking notes, I'm going to fill up the entire page because I'm going to just give you lots of information, but here's what I want you to get out of the missionary journeys of Paul. That, that Paul was a real person and Paul visited churches and he started churches in all these different cities. And then he wrote back to these very same cities uh, directives and and what you need to be doing and do this and don't do that. And so it's in the context of Acts that we see all the letters of the New Testament that Paul wrote, the 14 of them. And so that's the picture I want you to see as I vomit knowledge on you, that there's this bigger picture of all these letters fall into the stories of the missionary journeys of Paul. Are you ready for me to vomit on you? <laughs> if you're new, I just... I would would apologize, but this is normal. This happens. This just. what happens in Sunday school? That's just the way things happen. Here's the missionary journeys of Paul. Uh, if you have a uh, if you have a cool Bible, and what I mean by cool Bible is a study Bible, uh, they'll often have like little maps and diagrams. Um, look at your Bible. See if it has a map of uh, the Mediterranean Sea, and see if your very map has the missionary journeys of Paul. This is a fascinating thing. If you've never looked at the missionary journeys of Paul and kind of lined it up with the letters that he. Wrote, Wrote, you're missing out on a, on a big picture of the, how the New Testament was composed. And so, if your if your Bible, ha- in fact, raise your hand if you are so cool as to have a sweet map in your Bible, yes, of the missionary journeys, yes. Yes! I think that's so cool that you have maps. And and that's why I highly encourage you to get a study Bible, because then it has things like this. And uh, it's just really cool to follow along. So if you're following along, you can look at that map. There's three missionary journeys of Paul. I'm going to just give you, really quickly, a brief overview of those three missionary journeys. And hopefully you'll see this picture of Paul planting churches and writing back letters. And we just so happen to have these letters. And so, Paul was originally named Saul. It was his Hebrew name. Um, He was a Jew. We are not exactly sure how he was given Roman citizenship because it was very unusual for a Jew, part of the minority, to have uh, Roman citizenship back in the first century. But he had it somehow. Maybe his grandfather or his father fought in the Roman army and his whole family was given Roman citizenship. And that becomes a really big deal as he's put into trial. He's like, well, you can't just kill me. I'm a Roman citizen. And they're like, whoa, you're a Roman citizen? We can't just kill you. Um, It's a big deal. He was also a Pharisee, one of the highest ruling leaders of the, the Jew Jewish church, and he knew it all. He was a Pharisee. He studied. He knew the Jewish way of doing things, and he was very adamant about persecuting Christians. You're like, wait, I thought he wrote the Bible. I thought he was a Christian. That's before he was saved. Before he was saved, he was a radical persecutor of Christians. And he was actually on his way to a city uh, just north of Jerusalem called Damascus. When Jesus Christ appeared to him and he said, you know, there's this famous passage in Acts nine where it says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he knocks him down and and speaks to him and blinds him. And and Jesus presents himself to Paul, and Paul is converted to Christianity. And then for the next uh, at least three years, he gets training. Uh, He's in the city of Antioch. He gets training under uh, Barnabas. Maybe you've heard that name before. Um, He's kind of like an associate pastor in Antioch, kind of like I'm the associate pastor of the mill. And uh, so he was really cool, just like me and then starts his first missionary journey. And you could read through this in Acts 13 through 15. Um, almost every every study Bible has a map, and you could look at mine's purple line. It says the first missionary journey of Paul. And you can see that it starts in Antioch, and it goes up, and it, it's about a 1,400-mile journey, mainly on foot. I mean, this is just that's a long way to walk and it's a long distance to cover in just three years. And so he was constantly on the move, starting churches. He'd go, he it seemed like he was most comfortable in big cities. He'd start at a synagogue because of his Jewish background. He'd start at a Jewish synagogue and say, and, you know, talk about how he was a Pharisee and how he knew all the law. But now Jesus, a better one, has come along and shown us a new way Um, then he, uh, so he's with Barnabas. He goes through the regions of Galatia. Have you heard of Galatia before? Yes, you have. You may not have known you have, but there is a book of Galatians, which Paul is going to write later. And so on this first missionary journey, he goes to Galatia, he goes to Cyprus, he travels around, and then it seems like there is a big deal happening in Jerusalem. A council has formed to talk about, uh, this idea of how Jewish do you need to be to be a Christian? Because Jesus was a Jew. Uh, the whole Old Testament has Jewish regulations. And so this idea of, wait, if you're a Christian, do you need to uh, observe the Sabbath like Jews do on, on, on Saturday? Do you need to not eat uh, pigs like Jewish people do? Do you need to... Um, what, one of the biggest ideas, one of the biggest issues for the early church was this issue of circumcision. Do you know what that is? <laughs> you don't ask a friend next to you. Actually, I think we have have a diagram that we're going to show. Oh, no. Just kidding. Oh, gosh. I'm so glad you guys are all in college. I can't imagine the the phone calls I would get from parents. You "You had a diagram in a Sunday school. My little girl's in that class. It's like, if it wasn't a diagram. We just talked about the diagram. Anyways, I see a lot of you laughing and some of you are like, no, wait, what is, what is circumcision? <laughs> circumcision is a really big deal in the, in the, in the Old Testament and New Testament. It's the promise given to Abraham that all males would have the foreskin of their penis removed. Oh, so nobody laughed. That's good. I'm very, very impressed. I'm very impressed that you all just heard that and didn't laugh. It means you're very, very mature as I am very not mature, <laughs> um, because I'm giggling up here, um. <laughs> Anyways, that was a, an extremely big deal for this Jewish... Uh, this jewish thing that was part of the abraham covenant that and so and so christians were like oh do we still need to observe that thing and and circumcise our babies like the jews did in the old testament and how it's directed in the old testament that that you should do that and it came to the conclusion in jerusalem no we do not live by the law anymore we live by grace and we're saved by grace and we're saved by uh, a belief in jesus christ and it's without works that we're saved and so they decided that in the in the counselor books but I would say, you know, there's some significant differences between evangelical Christians and Mormons. So much so that I would say, you know, your teaching is, is so different that you don't have the right teaching. And there is a right teaching about Jesus. And I would say to a Mormon that you, you don't worship the right Jesus. You have other books of the Bible. You do not believe, for instance, that Jesus is God. And they would say, yeah, you're right. And I would say, well, that the right teaching is that Jesus is God. He claimed to be that. And if you're not along with the right teaching, then you're not a part of... Of the true church, the one holy universal church. Does that make sense? The teaching thing, that you have to believe in the right teaching. And one more time, Paul gets really excited and upset. Go to Galatians, if you would. Galatians is right before Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I have memorized it as, go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Uh, Galatians where am I at? Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. He gets ticked. Some people, some scholars say he's, he's cussing here. I'm like, man, that's sweet. I love cussing too. <laughs> just kidding, everybody. But seriously, uh, he's cussing. Potentially, scholars would say he's not vulgarly cussing, but he's, he's just he's calling them names. You foolish Galatians, you idiots, you morons, you stupid heads, you dum-dums. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn one thing. Did you not receive the Spirit by observing the law or believing in what you heard? You are so foolish. He goes on and talks about what he's saying is you need to believe in the right teaching, this idea of works and grace. He goes on to explain works and grace. And say, the, the Galatians were saying, oh, you, you have to do good works in order to be saved. Paul's saying, no, you don't. You're saved by your faith in Jesus Christ. Good works will come out of that, and that's sound theological good doctrine. And and Paul gets really fired up about that and calls them foolish for not believing that. So you have to believe in the right doctrine to be a part of the church. And those, those three things... One, holy and apostolic are what make us the church. And so this whole idea of um, just being the church, I think, is so important. So in and, and kind of review, uh, I, I don't think that we as the church need to somehow get back to some perfect thing that never once was. That the golden era of the church, this early church, was perfect. And if only we could look like the early church, then we could be perfect too. No. I would say what we need to strive to do is look in the future and continue to be one. We need to continue to be holy and we need to continue to have the right teaching. I just want to close with reading Ephesians uh, chapter four. You could read along with me. But this is what this is what Paul has to say to the church that met, meets in Ephesus. Galatians, Ephesians chapter four, verse one through chapter six. We're going to close with this and I'm going to pray. And he's writing this. This is, uh, this, is, uh, if, yeah, this is one of his prison epistles. So he's a prisoner of the Lord. Literally, he's a prisoner in, in Rome. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one lord one faith one baptism one god the father who the father of all who is over all and through all and in all let's pray this morning jesus we we praise you god and we right now god we say to you we want to be the church we want to be more unified we want to be more holy We want to have right teaching inside of us and preach and teach and talk about the things that are right and of you and are glorifying to you. So God, would you help us do that better? Would you allow us to be your bride, as that analogy is, that we might be perfect before you, that we might be beautiful before you, Jesus, that you've, you've called us your bride. And that's such, a, such an amazing term, God, and we thank you for it. We thank you that we are the church, that we can leave here shaking hands and hugging and, and loving one another in fellowship because we all believe in you, the Father, the Lord of all, the maker of everything, the same Lord. And so, Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We leave here glorifying your name. And everybody said...